Thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. Um, what's up, guys? Uh, Stack Pack. What's up, dudes? Um, got your original three. I'm uh, welcome to the Stack Pack. I'm uh, your host, David Howell, joined by my homeboys in stacking and packing. What's up, guys? What's up, Road Dan? Currently in where are you? Somewhere in fucking California? No, no, no longer in California, my friend. I'm now in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm, they got some good steaks out there. Oh, you better <laughs> believe it. Omaha steaks. The only thing I know about yeah. <laughs> and uh, Peyton Manning. Omaha! 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 Oh, wait, no, that's Ohio. No. Oh, no, you're thinking of Drew Carey show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio! Omaha rocks. Omaha rocks. Nebraska! <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool city, man. I'm digging it here. Cool. Great food. Great no offense to anybody in Ohama. Oh, Ohama? Oh. Omaha. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I literally just forgot the name of the place we were talking about. Omaha. <laughs> Ohama. Ohama means Ohama. family. That's <laughs> um, Ohana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. What's up, guys? Stack Pack. Um, um, pff, I said that already. Uh, we're going to cover the original Robert Stack hosted series. We're doing season two, episode 19, the last episode of season two. And we're going to sp- split this one up into two because uh, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty intense. Um, David, you didn't, even, <laughs> you didn't even introduce me. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. And Eli Dominguez. Where the- oh, you know. Where are I'm you? Just cho- I'm just chopped liver over here in Dallas. Uh <laughs> Jeez, how long how long has it been since we've done an episode? Uh, last week. Eli, you're I'm in just, Dallas. We know that, right? I'm just every, everybody knows I'm here. Just no one cares about you, Eli. One more one more week here in uh, beautiful Lone Star State. Yeah, just another week in Texas. Um, yeah, these mysteries aren't going to solve themselves. So yeah, that's what we're here for, <laughs> right? That's what we're doing. It's exactly what we're doing. We've solved exactly zero so far. Off to a good start. Um, so, a big episode we're spending it into season two, last episode of season two. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the first case we're going to be talking about, which is kind of back in the public zeitgeist because of a sweet Netflix uh, fucking uh, documentary. We're, we're going to be talking about Bobby Kennedy and Sirham Sirham, the guy who... Uh, Shot and killed him at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles in 1968. Oh, uh, allegedly? Or did he really Did just... I say allegedly? No, I was oh. going to say allegedly. <laughs> I added that in. <laughs> did, allegedly, did he? Or now we're did, starting the conspiracy theories. I mean, well, yeah, that, it's Unsolved Mysteries, so that it's that's the angle they're going to go about. But um, did you guys watch that Bobby Kennedy documentary, Bobby uh, Kennedy watched, for president? Uh, I, t- I took a gander. <laughs> I was uh, finishing up the third one right before we started this. I, I watched the whole thing. It's good. The it, the, the, the footage, Sirhan, some of the footage, man. Oh, it's, dude, yeah. That's the yeah. highlight of it is like this Shit. this guy that, who was like a – That 911 a, call, the, the, sw- the operator from uh, the hotel calls 911 and the cop just sounds so in- – Oh, like, dude, that was fucked up, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a Kennedy, so yeah, he's like so. He's like big deal, like yeah. This yeah. someone like we got a Kennedy here. Some some just send a you know send an ambulance. Yeah, it's really fucked up. But but what I, what I was gonna say is what made that documentary really special is the uh, is those uh, um, they this guy would just 
follow Bobby around while he was campaigning for Senate and all these things. And so there's like <clears throat> this like really intimate, you know, there's lots of like lots you know, of archival footage. Just videos videos of him. It's this one guy who took all this footage and he's like hanging with his family and he seems like a really lovely guy, really sweet dude, which makes all of this shit way more shitty and depressing. Kind of like um a what do you call those shows? Now that they're all over the place, that's all over. That's based like the Kardashians. What do you call them? Like true life shows, or yeah, or you mean like a reality show? Yeah, reality show. There you go. I don't know. Except why. for with the people with class. It, yeah, yeah. It's like this is like before reality TV. I was watching this, this uh, even watching this documentary, and and you you know, there's a a lot of jabs at these different you know people taking jabs at Bobby and you know LBJ or whatever fucking people taking jabs at Bobby during his campaigns. And it's like, oh man, like they're talking shit, but like at least it's still got some class, you know? It's not like yeah. it's not like Donald Trump calling Ted Cruz's wife ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's low, still got low, some class, low, low belt stuff. Yeah, it's like it was understood. It was like a gentleman. It was a. I feel like it was a gentleman's time when it's like I don't like you, you don't like me, and that's okay. Like, yeah, they you know they like I mean? brush it off. There's even a point where one of these guys was, um, uh, I think. Oh, fuck, I forget who it was, but he, one of these guys was talking shit about him because Bobby had his dog on the campaign trail, and he was like, I have oh. a dog, too. And he's like, and I think my yeah. dog's better. And I was like, that's what they got. Like, I have a better yeah. dog than you. You know, it's <laughs> now it's just like, your wife's ugly. Your she, wife's fat. Your wife, looks, your wife looks like my first wife in 30 years. <laughs> that's a Donald Trump singer. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it's a different time. And the 60s, man, wow. You think of it as such a revolutionary and like awesome time, but fuck, it was so sad. Like all the between JFK, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and then Bobby Kennedy, like all in yeah. the same decade. All these just people that were just trying to help poor people ass- and trying assassinations were just rampant. It, it was yeah. It's like you don't like somebody, you cap them. It's all right. So let's get into this. We've been talking sh- like in the streets. I gotta say, I'm glad that we're covering this because I I didn't know as much about Bobby Kennedy. Oh, yeah, I learned a lot of history today. Yeah, I'm not really um, – political history especially is not something that I like. I'm, I know a lot about. But, yeah, this – I mean, the, this is a crazy time. Well, it, it's it's hard to stick with political um, history just because it's very I – th- I feel like it's very convoluted. There's like a lot of uh, – Like, you know what's crazy is think of how all the stuff we were taught um, about American history growing up. And then I, I think about, like, Britain or just any European country, and it's like, dude, we complain about American history, but fuck. Like, yeah, all those countries yeah. have, like, so much more, like, <laughs> yeah. shit to cover. Like, way, you know, fucking... Yeah, because they're way older. Centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries Crazy of kings more shit putting to... people's heads on spikes. Yeah. <laughs> Game it's of like, Thrones man, shit. I, complaining about, you know, U.S. history, school, you know, <laughs> public school. There's probably nothing compared to what those guys have to learn. A lot more history. So anyway, <laughs> so June of, June of 1968, there you know that's where we start this segment. That says people lined up on the train tracks um, because um, Bobby Kennedy's body is being transported via train from uh, New York to Washington. So the and I guess I, the body was flown to New York and then and then they took it to Washington. I like how they. Um it was it was like a cold open. They just yeah, it didn't like they 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 do the unsolved mysteries flash, and then it just it usually they start with Robert Stack talking about what we're 
Yeah, they try to do a lot of. They try to add a little class to this one because it's such a you know sensitive thing to people. Right. They, they, I, I guess if they thought it would be a little tacky to be like bum bum dun 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 dun. Yeah, I guess like, that's true. <laughs> the unexplained. It's like no, it, it yeah. doesn't. It's not really. Yeah, I guess you're right. I could see it that way. You know, it's a conspiracy. They're going for conspiracy angle here for sure, but it's like, yeah, it would be kind of disrespectful. Yeah, so, I didn't think about that. You're right, but in hindsight, now that you mentioned it. For sure, that would definitely be a little bit disrespectful. But um, yeah, I, I like the choice that they made. I was like, because usually, usually I look ahead and I have to write down what we're doing and um, yeah. or what we're covering next week. And so I was like, what what's going on? Did I miss something? And I had to go back and like listen. So like we said, he was killed at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. Apparently, the guy's like hand. What did they say? The the gun was like stuck to his hand. Like they tried to. He he froze. Like he was just like in total like shock. I guess that his body like locked on him. They tackled mm-hmm. him, and he just kept popping off shots. So, April seventeenth of nineteen sixty nine, Sirhan Sirhan was convicted of first degree murder for the murder of Bobby Kennedy, um, Robert F Kennedy. I like. I feel like I know him because of that documentary, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah good stuff like they, they didn't go for any of the conspiracy angles it was just very like truthful and it was it was a you know it was a good like straightforward yeah it was like a good like, like heartwarming like they, they weren't trying to shit on the guy for any reason they're just very it was very factual and stuff like that sirhan sirhan they you know they fucking tackle him and and they disarm him and wait for the cops to come and he he says he does never he never denies it even to this day but he just says he doesn't yeah. remember a thing yeah, he says he not not that he doesn't remember like the day or the hour. He just he says for that like short time when he was completing the act, he doesn't remember. Yeah. What if he was like a sleeper agent for the KGB and like they activated him they by activated saying a special him? code word and he just doesn't remember that? Like some winter soldier stuff? I'm sure there's so many more conspiracies that they're not even getting into. I mean the conspiracy that this one's going with is the uh you know, more than one shooter. Which is what we're getting into next. They they cover the beginning of it and then they tell the story and then I'm I'm thinking to myself, why why are they covering? Like, why is this an unsolved mystery? I don't understand what's going on. Like they caught him. What's what's the big deal? And then they yeah they go into the whole multiple shooters. Yeah, this weird dish. S- similar weird, this to weird his angle. brother. Just like it's, it's so similar. It's oh god, dude. It's like how did. How the fuck? How did this happen again? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's so and, crazy. Yeah, five, five? I think it was five years later? So he acted alone, and um, that was what LAPD said officially, is that he acted alone. So, you know, like, we are, like we've like we been talking, is this some sort of conspiracy? Did the LAPD, are they hiding something? You know, this is these are the questions that um, Robert Steck and the team at Unsolved Mysteries wants you to start thinking about. Um so he was apprehended at the scene. He fired eight shots and his gun was capable of shooting eight shots. And they accounted for all eight of these shots. And that was their official ruling. And, you know, there's a diagram and they show exactly what happened. And I'll get into all the shots that the, we'll get into the official, you know, shooting, whatever. Are, are you saying we're going to break it down shot by shot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. Did you say shots? <laughs> shots? Shots for me shots. and my gals? Can I get some cozies for me and my gals? Can I get a fuzzy navel? <laughs> some cozies and a buttery nipple, please. Three of them. <laughs> so, so yeah, everyone thinks there's more than one gun that fired off that uh, um, in the kitchen of the Ambassador Hotel. And then uh, uh, we'll be right back to tell you why we think it was a conspiracy. That's what. After this brief message. <laughs> 
<laughs> so June 4th of 1968 should have been a day for celebration. They just won the California primary. So he was the favorite for the Democratic president to presidential nomination. So after this speech, he was supposed to go into what they called the colonial room. Um, but he got kind of sidetracked and they took him into the kitchen. In the documentary at one point, someone's just like, we don't know why. Like, that's another thing. I don't know. Like, maybe that's added to the conspiracies of, like, yeah. why he went through the kitchen instead of going straight to this colonial room. Um, but, so, yeah, he went into the kitchen pantry instead. And Sirhan Sirhan, with a twenty-two caliber revolver, shot eight rounds. And, after, like we said, after being restrained and knocked down, he just kept popping them off. Uh, five bystanders were also hurt. So they set up a special task force to deal with the shooting and the immediate, like, aftermath you know like um you know what i mean they they actually do talk to the investigator and he's he's like yeah we we got the right guy we got the right guy so after um so a couple days later they begin they begin the crime scene investigation and uh, the morning after they actually went into sirhan sirhan's apartment and they found the note that's uh they found a note uh from his journals that was written not too long before he killed rfk and it says my determination to eliminate RFK is becoming more and more of an unshakable obsession. Robert F. Kennedy must be assassinated. And these are just the casual, this is like in his casual journal, I guess. And, in his uh, live journal? At this point, the LAPD, yeah, it's his live journal. He's like, <laughs> listening to Hawthorne Heights. Oh my God, Ohio is for the lovers. Ohio is for lovers. Cut my wrist and black my eyes. RFK sure is a jerk. <laughs> for the sliver of you that got that joke i feel like kudos <laughs> i feel you <laughs> sorry our, our emo is showing yeah totes <laughs> so when in, in, in this fancy computer generated simulation they break down the shots that were officially uh um as as officially told by the lapd so this is our shot by shot breakdown you got your shots ready well I, we don't have yeah, shots, we but we can all take a drink <laughs> All right, first shot. Shot number one. It, this was apparently point blank range, and it was to the back of Robert F. Kennedy's uh, head. This was the. They say this was the fatal shot. Ultimately, the second shot was in his shoulder, and this one lodged. It was through his shoulder and lodged into his spine. Um, the third shot was went through his chest and up in the in the ceiling, and I, and they say that. That one, they think they lost Ricochet, it in the ceiling. Right? They, they never got oh. that one, apparently. Oh, okay. They, they say that they I lost know. it in the ceiling in the Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know. Hmm. So the fourth shot was um, through his right shoulder pad uh, of his suit jacket, of Bobby's suit, suit, suit jacket. And then that bullet went through and struck Paul, Sh- uh, Paul Shard in the forehead. And he miraculously lived. He's a big part of that documentary, too. He's still trying to find yeah. justice for his buddy Bobby. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, he, it's crazy seeing those pictures of him and how, and how these people age, like you see pictures of them with Bobby Kennedy and then them talking about their friend and like crying about, you know, his death and stuff. And it's like, right. This guy had an effect on so many people. <clears throat> and that, um, the last guy you mentioned, they, he, he tells that story. I remember about his, uh, one of the, yeah, like you said, one of the aides came and put a hat over him because they thought he was deceased. Yeah. They and just, they, they saw that, that one shot in the forehead and why not? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So they thought he was dead. So they put a, a hat over him, but, and then somebody snapped a picture that, that picture is what he was holding when he was telling that story. Yeah. And then there was another uh, ricochet bullet 
they don't say where this one came from, but they think it came from the ceiling, even though they just said that they thought they lost the one that went through his chest in the ceiling. This bullet hit Elizabeth Evans, who was a campaign worker, in the head. And but and an interesting thing is apparently this bullet entered at a downwards, not upwards angle. So that's one of this guy um, who's saying that there was a second shooter. It's one of the things he says that mm. it could be. It was like impossible that um, if it ricocheted off the ceiling, that it would that it would be that the shot would be at an upward angle and not a downward angle, like the shot actually was. Yeah. Um, and then there was an eyewitness who said that he was way farther away than point blank. A lot of uh, most of the eyewitnesses said that there's no way Sirhan was that close. Sirhan Sirhan was yeah. that close to Bobby. They said feet away, right? Yeah, Not more like inches. they say they say inches in the autopsy, but everyone says it was more. Yeah, more like feet. The the maitre d who had an interesting accent was um, um, I forgot his name, but he said that he immediately restrained Sirhan Sirhan and that he remembers him only shooting twice. Hmm. And some other. Um, Eyewitnesses say that they remember him shooting only four times. All the eyewitnesses say that he couldn't that he couldn't have been inches away. Like there's no way he could have been that close to him. So Dan Moldia is who's the guy who apparently wrote this article um, that they're citing in this Unsolved Mysteries episode about how there was more shooters. He just says that there's no way. He said he said the story just doesn't jive unless there was a second gun. And uh, I, I get it's the 1990s, but this white man saying jive is pretty. Uh, pretty funny and it's not the only time he says it he says it again later in the episode so dan moldia dan moldia with his creepy slick back hair and his fucking creepy yeah. turtleneck um he's um, got like this uh um uh the football player terry uh terry, terry, bradshaw. terry bradshaw no, terry bradshaw <laughs> like this this like 70s terry bradshaw look yeah um and yeah, he's the one trying to convince us that there was two gun- gunmen. Witnesses also saw this security guard pull his gun and and then leave. And um and they actually talk about this guy in the uh in the in that documentary and they they have a phone interview with him and he fucking hated Kennedy. He really didn't like Kennedy. He said he didn't like he didn't like Jack and he didn't like what Bobby stood for and he thought that they were turning the country in the, on their ass and fucking it up. Um, but he says that he pulled out his gun, but he already, you know, the shots were already done by the time he like, you know, and one of the witnesses said that he pulled out his gun and it wasn't pointed at, at, um, Sir Han, that it was pointed down. So I don't know. I guess a lot of people think the security guard might've had something to do with it. And the documentary doesn't help. But the thing is, is in the documentary, they do say that his gun was different, that he couldn't have shot those, uh. He couldn't the, the the bullets all none of the bullets found matched it. Didn't they also mention something about like when he had given the gun um, after they apprehended him? They gave one of the guys the gun and they said, "Don't give this to anybody, right? Or give this to anyone but the police." Right, right, right. Like hold on to this. Like you have to make sure that just Weird. make sure nobody else touches it. Um. So he holstered the weapon but didn't fire. Apparently. So in 1975, uh, one of the victims that survived filed a lawsuit which uh, made them examine this uh, crime again, the shooting again, and um, the and they say the fool the filings didn't not rule out a second gunman, you know, but also but neither nor denied it. Yeah, but a lot. But this is where where we get these pictures of these bullet holes that were apparent apparently not accounted for. Yeah, and the ones on that panel or whatever. Yeah, those two in particular. 
Um, and these were part of the FBI files. And, uh, of course, the investigating detective, who we see in a weird purple background, keeps talking about... He, he, he says that um, he, they, he assumes that they turned out not to be bullets. He says stuff like that happens all the time. They take a picture of something and realize that it's not a bullet. And then these portions of the door frames were actually put into evidence... But apparently they were too bulky, and they asked if they could destroy them, and he said, okay. He said, yes, yeah. And he, and then he's like, people ask me if I regret Ooh. anything in my career, and I say, yeah, you know, sure, sure, I regret that. Yeah, because it's fucking dumb. Guy, one of the most ho- high-profile assassinations ever. And you can just uh, just go ahead and just destroy just burn evidence. It. Yeah, destroy it. They say destroy. That evidence was destroyed. No need. We don't need these. It was it was destroyed in what was called the good old fashioned evidence fire. Make it disappear. <laughs> it's like yeah, along with that thirty pounds of uh, cocaine that we confiscated, it was uh, destroyed. <laughs> it was up, all uh, up all the destroyed. nose of America. So um, yeah, so this guy, this guy's, this guy's jiving. He says he, he just it just doesn't jive. It just, just doesn't jive. This white man says jive way too much for a white man. So Dan. Moldia, Dan. So Dan yeah. Moldia actually, um, uh, as part of this article that he wrote, he actually interviewed a bunch of people that were involved with the actual investigation of the scene. Uh, about twenty people that he talked to, and they were like cops and nurses and photographers, and you know, we're not nurses, but EMTs and stuff like that. And he specifically cites a sheriff deputy who remembers somebody trying to take out a bullet from the wall with a fucking knife for a souvenir. Oh, yeah, I remember that, That's too. That's some dirty shit, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Y'all? Damn, I, I don't say... I ne- I've never said y'all, y'all in my life. Been like, hanging out with me too much. <laughs> That's some y'all. dirty shit, y'all. That's some dirty shit, y'all. My Texas is showing. Yeehaw. Um, that's, yeah, put, your that's, finger in my, put your finger in my butthole. <laughs> that's some dirty shit, y'all. Put like your finger in my redneck. butthole. I'll show you some more dirty shit. God I like that redneck God. shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that'll make your butthole pocket bone it. But <laughs> God damn it! So yeah, that's fucked up, man. Someone was prying a bullet out of the wall, and they were gonna keep it. Like yeah, someone. This is the when from when Bobby Kennedy got shot. Fucked up. And a photographer says that he remembers taking pictures of about seven or six bullet holes in the walls. And the and when asked if like he was sure there were bullet holes, he was like, like, come on, like if you've been, if you've taken as much pictures of bullet holes as I have, you sure as hell know. And yeah. I'm a Texas photographer of bullet holes. <laughs> Did you say bullet holes? Did you say bullet holes? I know bullet holes. So Modia says that there shouldn't have been any bullet damage. According to the LAPD's official report, <laughs> that there shouldn't have been any bullet damage. Like, all of Sirhan's eight shots were accounted for. And the LAPD is like, hell no. Uh, we did everything right. And uh, then the, and then they showed Ted Kennedy's speech um, from right after, from the funeral, I guess. And, God, that shit sucks, man. They also played in that documentary. And it's just that, like, typical Kennedy style of talking, but it's his voice is so shaky. When he's talking about how his brother shouldn't be like, you know, he shouldn't be remembered as like a god, but just as a really nice dude who just wanted to do the right thing. And his voice is like, just like shaking ever so lightly. Yeah. And it's, it's really you rough. Can tell, you can tell that he's powering through. I mean, he's talking about something super emotional. Yeah. Ted Kennedy. <clears throat> Ted Kennedy. In the documentary, they talk about how when he was running for, when Bobby was running for senator, I think that he survived a plane wreck. And then maybe we should – and then another thing, the whole fucking 
Ted Kennedy killing that girl. Did you guys know about that? Yeah. No. Dude, I, I didn't know. know I, I feel like an idiot. I don't know, man. This is not my forte, yeah. but yeah. We need he, to brush up on he, some he Kennedys. Was, he was, uh, it was a campaign worker, Bobby's campaign worker, and they were driving home at like 11 p.m. And it was dark and he ran off into a, into like a lake and the, and, um, he jumped out of there, but he couldn't save her and he left the scene. What? Yeah, dude. And she died for sure. And he left the scene and he came clean later, but like, I don't know. I need to, I want to look more into that. That's it's, isn't that? Yeah. And he even says like in the documentary in the last episode, they have him like explaining himself what happened. And he literally says, he's like, I don't know if it's just the curse of the Kennedys. It's like, it's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, dude. They've had so much, like, bad, like. Yeah, I mean, Ted surviving a plane wreck. Joe Jr., uh, Jack Kennedy Jr., John F. Kennedy Jr. died in a plane wreck. Yeah, um, John John. Um, I think Jackie Onassis had a miscarriage. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's way more. I just can't. Hmm. But, yeah, it's it's pretty heartbreaking that. That's yeah, Ted and Ted Kennedy. He he still served after that, right? Like he was, he was in politics till he was an old yeah. man, right? I mean, he died not that long. He he died not. He didn't die too long ago. I don't know. I don't. I'm speaking out of school about Ted Kennedy, but yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? You know what's weird to me is this guy. What's his name? Schrade, Paul Schrade. Um, uh, Moldia says that like that. He says that there's no way that that Sir Hen could have shot because he would have had to be way too tall. And in that documentary, he says nothing, you know, I mean, maybe that's not what they were leaning towards, but he doesn't say anything about another shooter or anything. Yeah. I guess they make it more about Bobby. I mean, they, they lightly brush over some of the conspiracies in the last part, but yeah, he just seemed like a real sincere guy. Yeah. He just wanted to tell a story. He wasn't trying to like expose some weird truth or lie. They beat it into your head that, what was so frustrating is that there was no answer as to why, mm-hmm. because this guy was just like, I don't know. I, I, just, I don't remember doing it. And it's like, but you wrote that you had to kill him. Like why? And he just never shit. He got yeah. denied parole in 2016. I think in like 2021, he has another chance at it. And, and he's still mm-hmm. like, they, they showed a video of him from like, I mean, I guess 2016. And he's just like, he's like, I just, he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't remember doing it. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. No bueno, Sirhan. K- K- what did Dan say? KGB sleeper secret- agent. Sleeper agent. Oh man, I'm sure. Yeah, we we didn't even get it. We should we should do that. Wait, let's take a second. We should just num- name off a bunch of Bobby Kennedy conspiracies. A conspiracy theory related to a Manchurian candidate hypothesis that Sirhan was uh, psychologically programmed by persons unknown to commit the murder, and he was not aware of his actions at the time. And his mind was wiped in the aftermath by the conspirators so that he would have no memory of the event or of any people who programmed him. Uh, and apparently this, this theory is supported by um, hypnosis expert Dr. Edward Simpson Callis. After 35 hours of work with Sirhan in San Quentin Prison in 69, Sirhan claimed then and has continued to claim since that he has no memory of the assassination or the aftermath. And then one thing we didn't even talk about was this mysterious woman in the polka dot dress, which they talk about in the, um, uh, they talk about in the, uh, the documentary as well. This, and they, they even interview the witness. There's this witness who says, 
who says we uh, who says that she saw a lady in a polka dot dress run downstairs and say we killed him we killed Bobby Kennedy we killed him and she just ran out and that like she was never you know in front of a judge she never made a police report nothing she's never seen from again there's a picture I guess from from a lady from behind in a polka dot dress but this lady stated that she saw a woman exclaiming we shot him we shot him. And she asked the woman who she was talking about, and they and the woman said Senator Kennedy. In the documentary, they show this lady, like telling the story on the news, like straight up on the news. And uh, another another witness saw the po- lady in the polka dot dress too, and they both said that that uh, she was with Sir Han at various times in the night, including the kitchen area. Yeah, I mean, it, um, uh, another theory is what we talked about. The security guard is the second gunman because that guy was n- a, not a nice dude. Or I mean, he, I mean, he, just politics wise, like he could have just been a very conservative dude and just been honest. I, I don't think just because he's conservative would have meant that he would have uh, killed him. Maybe let him be killed. I mean, that's still really fucked up, right? It's just politics. Mm, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's knows? still pretty bad. The, yeah, so that's crazy. That's a that's a thought about theory, the Manchurian candidate theory. That, um, also, on Lost Podcast on the left, uh, they were mentioning something about Sirhan Sirhan at some point, where saying that he was in uh, a mental hospital, and they think that maybe he was uh, brainwashed like, um, there. Yeah, I was going to say like under hypnosis and brainwashed, like an Arkham Asylum situation. <laughs> Gotham got renewed for a fifth and final season, and I have never I haven't watched that show. We but you know what? Watching it season three, dude. They fucking, they fucking just greenlit a show called Pennyworth, and it's about Alfred Pennyworth as a spy in London before he meets Batman. Just make a Batman show, you fucking assholes! Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, it like pisses me off. Like I, I'm mad. Like, and also there's Today a show on the corner of David Rant. Nobody wants to see that. There's a show on Sci-Fi called Krypton, and it's about Superman's fucking grandfather. <laughs> Fuck you guys! Make a Superman show. Just do it. The Flash is in the movies and on the TV. On the TV, like who gives a fuck? Who, who's the best? Um, oh, who's the who's who's the best Alfred? Uh, oh, like in fuck, the movies. That's hard. That's hard. You know, oh. I love. I'd probably have to say Michael Caine. Um, yeah, I like. I like Michael Caine. I love you, Master Wayne. Master Wayne. I love you. Know you. The, he More says the way that and father. he says that his name is supposed to be pronounced my cocaine, my cocaine. If you just say the words my cocaine, you my cocaine, you can do my a Michael Caine impression. You know, um, um, yeah, yeah, no, I would have to, but Michael you know, Go, Bruce. Michael Go from the Tim Burton movies is really good. He's actually the best yeah, part of Batman good. and Robin. He's like sick and dying in that movie. also, it's like complete bullshit. And then there's yeah. like a serious storyline of like Alfred being really sick. Alfred, yeah. And for some uh, reason, Sean Pertwee's pretty good. Uh, Sean, Pert- Sean Pertwee's in Gotham. He's probably one of the best parts about that show, but no. He, I'd he's have a to, good Alfred. Dude, fuck, dude, Jeremy fucking Irons. The most hand on, hands-on Alfred in, in the Batman universe. I don't know. Like, say what you will about Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, but he's a really, really cool Alfred. Like, he, like, takes control of the Batwing, and, you know, he, he's, like, he's like comic books Alfred. Yeah. And Jeremy, it's fucking Jeremy Irons. He's a great actor. Loved him in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Dude, yeah, he's, he's, he plays the villain all the time, huh? Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? He's a good oh, what's the, there's a David Cronenberg movie where he plays twins 
and it's like a real it's a it's like a horror movie. It's really fucking Ooh. cool. What's that movie called? Is he's super young? Like he look he looks weird. He's so young. You know, one of those. Wow. Pennyworth, you fucking dicks. Make a Batman show. <laughs> Our audience doesn't know yet. David has a David's very passionate about his Batman. <laughs> Interesting uh, sidebar. I uh, remember you. We were discussing the way you pronounce Smittix. Mm-hmm. It's it's spelled Smithwicks, but it's pronounced Smittix. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to Boston, I went to this legit Irish bar uh, called the Black Rose, and I got to pronounce, and I got to order my own Smittix and not look like a fool. Oh, so you said it, and they were like, "Yeah, they knew exactly what you meant," and you, you yeah, because like, yeah. I saw I saw the tap handle. I said, like, "Let me get a shot of Teeling." I was like, "Do you guys have Teeling?" And they were like, "Of course, it's an Irish. That's like my favorite Irish whiskey." Like, and like then, we uh, do, boyle. Yeah, and he's like, well, we got he, – he gave me three bottles and he let me taste all of them and then pick. And then I was like, yeah, give me a Smittix. It was awesome. I felt so like, legit. Yeah, I said it right. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad glad we helped. Yeah, actually, Elon taught me that. Right? I, Did I it? It, the, you don't really – you don't see Smittix in fucking El Paso. There was one Irish bar that had it and it was awesome. Um, yeah. But he, he, he's, he was like he, – he introduced me to that bar, to that beer. And it's fucking, oh, it's just, it's so ruby dark it's red, nice. but it's light. It's fucking It's great. nice. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, ooh, okay. So this next case, before we get into it, I want to let you guys know that um, we're this last episode will be two parts, but the episode we're going to do before season three is a movie. We're going to be talking about a movie that's based on this case. This and very one, David? Yes, this very one. And it's called. Voice from the Grave. It's called Voice from the Grave. It's based on this case. The first thing I want to say, I haven't even watched the movie yet, but it's bullshit that this is about a Filipino girl who got murdered, and it, the movie's totally starring a white girl. Oh, is That's it? Bullshit. Oh, man, that is messed yeah. up. This is a really cool case, dude. It's like one of the, it's one of the ones you live for as an Unsolved Mysteries fan. The Unexplained, um, well, it's, yeah, it's a sad case, but you know, you'll see what I mean. February 21st of 1977, 9 p.m., um, firemen are called to respond to a fire in Chicago. Um, the fire's in an upper floor of an apartment building, of an, an apartment building. There's a mattress in the middle of the living room that's just on fire. And um, after looking around, they go back to the mattress and they notice that there is a corpse burned alive, a dead body, under this mattress. Um, they, it was, they discovered there was the person who lived there. Her name was Teresita Bassa. She was stabbed in the chest and appeared to have been raped because she was uh she didn't have clothes on, um and and the they assumed at that point that the fire was set just to cover up the crime. Later, it was determined from the autopsy that there was no rape involved. There was it was pretty much a dead end. Like they they couldn't they had no leads. They couldn't find a motive because she was this nice girl. Yeah, like they said, she had like no enemies. So six months later. This couple from Chicago says that Teresita had been speaking to them from from beyond the grave in attempts to try to solve her own murder. Yeah, this is where it gets spooky. So she was a nice girl, like we said, worked as a respiratory therapist at a Chicago hospital. Um, everyone said she was super dedicated, professional, really nice with her patients. And no enemies, right? Like, <laughs> that's not a person who just people are like, fuck you. You good, you nurse that's good at your job and cares for your patients. Fuck you. Yeah. 
newsflash, everyone. If you're nice to people, the majority of the time they're going to have something nice to say about you. So don't be a prick. You could catch more flies with honey than vinegar, sweetheart. You can also catch them with a big old pile of shit. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Wow, dude. That fucking saying is complete and utter shit. (laughs) So smoke and fire had damaged all the fingerprints. There was nothing usable on that end. And nothing was missing, so, like, no motive, right? Nothing was even missing from the apartment that they could tell. Um, so in walks Detective Joe St- S- Stahula. It's pronounced, it's spelt Stachula, but they call him Joe Stahula. So Joe Stahula. In walk Joe Stahula. Big swinging dick, Joe Stahula. Big swinging fucking knob. <laughs> um, he, he said there was no leads except for a memo um, that said. Something about getting theater tickets for someone called A.S. Which, fuck, dude, what an idiot for leaving that behind, right? Yeah. So five months after the murder, he uh, Joe Stahula, the detective, responds to a, let's just say, kind of odd call. I'll say. But yeah, but, I'm, but at this point, he's like, the stack even says, he literally says grasping for straws. He, he goes to the house of a Filipino physician and his wife, who uh, and the wife had worked with Teresita, and sh- let's just say they had a crazy tale to tell. A crazy tale to tell. A tale to tell? That's funny, because in the notes, I mixed it up. I wrote tell to tell. <laughs> <laughs> they have a crazy tale to tell. Tale to tell. By the way, these people didn't want to be named, so we'll call them not Enrico and not Alicia. And the, their fake last name is Borda. Yeah, even though I know their real names. Yeah, yeah I looked it up. <laughs> it's pu- public knowledge. Reme- Remedios Chua is yeah. the lady's name. Remy for short. And uh, and her husband Joe, right? Oh, I, I didn't I didn't get the the husband's name. So yeah, the husband the, her husband's name was Joe. It was a coincidence. He just shared the first name as Mister Stahula. Big swing and dick. <laughs> that big swinging dick. Joe swinging dick statula. Remy, so Remy told the detective this crazy story, but before they did that, there's the scene where the doctor's like, what do you think about possession or the occult? You know anything about that? Yeah. And the detective's like, I keep an open mind. Big swinging dick playing himself, of course. No one can do it. <laughs> no one can do that good job. No, nobody can play Mr. Stahula. <laughs> That big fuck. Nobody. You got this big old swinging yeah, dick. No one can step in the shoes of that big old swinging dick. You know what they say about big feet? Oh god. Um, big socks. So Alicia says that they work together, and um, and one night after a late night shift, she went to the break room of the hospital to take a quick nap. She felt the ghostly presence of Teresita. And um, in a very Twin Peaksy moment, there's just like a pale girl just like staring across the room at her. Um, it's pretty chilling. And she doesn't say anything to Remy slash not Alicia. So a couple weeks later, the doctor says that um, she was that Remy, his wife, was feeling really bad. And um, she had she went to sleep. So he went in a couple hours later to check on her. And he asked if she was doing all right. And he said that um, the voice that came out of her mouth was not his wife. 
Yeah, not that's definitely not my wife. That's creepy. Um, he had, he even asked her, "What's your name?" and um, she responded, "Teresita Bassa." The doctor didn't even know Teresita. He didn't even know who she was. He didn't know till later that um, she had died and had worked with his wife. Um, they were both respiratory uh, uh, nurses. Nurses, yeah, they both had the same exact job. But the, the the unique and kind of crazy thing about it, though, is after she said the name, her head started to spin, and she used to spew out pea soup. And she, and she started pissing herself at the fucking dinner party? Yeah. It sounds like The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, basically, the voice then tells the husband, you must, um, you must go to the police. The police can't find my killer. Go to the police and tell them it's Alan Showery. And it turns out that Alan was an orderly who worked at the hospital with the girls. Right. But they they didn't have anything on him, right? Just his name. And there was no evidence. Yeah, yeah. At at this point. So at first he didn't take it serious. He just kind of thought his wife was like, you know, like having a dream (laughs) and just like, you know. Saying stuff, she got possessed and like talking, changed her, her voice while well, thinking about her friend who died, which is something yeah. you would probably tell your husband, like, "Hey, this lady yeah. I worked with got burned alive." That, yeah, yeah, that would be that might that would definitely be something I would. You're not gonna believe. I would have called Jocelyn as soon as it happened. You're not gonna. Yeah, believe if one happened. of your coworkers Somebody. was like burned alive, I think you would. Well, she was stabbed, then burned to get rid of the evidence. Oh, but uh, she was alive, then she was burned. At first, he kind of blew it off. As just his wife, you know, talking. And then it was, what, like several weeks or a month later, she started talking again. And this time it was like, why haven't you gone to the police? <laughs> yeah, the, the voice, like, got more insistent and was like, and was like, yeah, what the fuck? Became a nagging wife. And and um, he told this ghost, I guess, like, that there was no evidence. And the voice responded, I'll help you out with that. I'll give you proof. After he killed me, he took my jewelry, which is the way that Big Swing and Dick Tahula says it. He says, he says, jewelry. he says, jewelry. Did you guys know what said? Jewelry. Yeah. After that, after this, I'm going to go make me a sandwich, but that's okay. I'm going to say that because I'm a big swinging dick. I got to do, go do a follow up about this jewelry and I'm going to go make a sandwich. Um, so yeah, she, apparently this voice said after he killed me, he took my jewelry and gave it to his girlfriend. Stahula even says, he's like, the first thing I thought was, how do you put yeah, this, this on a favorite. police report? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm making his voice way more favorite. cartoony. but <laughs> Yeah, no, that was perfect, though. But it needs to be. How do you put he's this a on a police report? Oh, Joe St- big swinging dick Joe Stahula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, who knows? He might be Golden State Killer style. Not just a small dick, but also narrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, because of this premonition that these strangers told him, he started a background check on Alan Showery. I really want to know how he went about doing that because, yeah, he's like, well, somebody, somebody had a dream, and you know, the the yeah. spirit of a dead it's girl awkward. possessed a body and gave us some info. But you got to remember, back in this time too, there was a lot of police departments that were. That did. I mean, we've covered it. There, there were police departments that have solved cases through psychics. So, I mean, at this point, why not? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. They were um, open. They were they were open. They were a little bit more open to like, you know, 
that a diff, you know, to the unexplained stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They find out that not only did Alan Showery indeed work with the girls, um, um, he was an orderly at the hospital. He also lived very close to Teresita. They even asked coworkers if they knew anything about Alan Showery, Teresita, if they had anything to do with each other. And they actually said, oh, yeah, that night he went over there to fix her TV. This is something that I feel like they should have immediate. These people should have immediately told the police. Like, right. hey, this one guy actually like went. You know, like we know that this person was going to be with her that night. Yeah. Uh, well, they bring him in for questioning, and then they start asking him. You know, when the last time he saw Teresita was, and he does admit that he went to her house to fix the television, but then he claims that he didn't have the right tools. Right. So he says that he leaves. Then he went home to this, his apartment where he lived with his girlfriend. And then, okay, no, that's that's how he ends it. That's what he said. He says that he just yeah. did that, that was it. Actually, so the investigate the detective, um, Joe, good old Joe, asked in the meantime asked his girlfriend if um, she had received any jewelry in the past couple of months. Any jewelry? Any jewelry? Have you received any jewelry? <laughs> By the way, you got a sandwich. <laughs> I don't know why. Why those two? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of any other ones. Um, <laughs> like, what other word do you can you say? Like a baby, potato. <laughs> uh, <but> Nobody. <laughs> hey, can says I get potato. a tomato and a potato and a sandwich and some jewelry? <laughs> <laughs> so they asked her if she if she's received any jewelry lately, and she says, "Yep." Yeah, she said, "Yeah, I have." She actually agrees to let Teresita look through her jewelry. And of course, it was like, like a really specific piece of jade that was definitely hers. Um, at one point, like she's even like even the ring she was wearing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The family member pointed out that she was that's that's hers too. That's great, Nana's ring. Jesus, you just made her Mexican. That's Ama's ring. I don't know. I forget. They're Filipino. I don't know if that's right either. Sorry. So after he's confronted about, you know, all the jewelry being Teresita's, um, he does admit to the truth that he came back and he, he made a confession. He was on his way home and he decided to turn back and came up with the plan to rob and murder Teresita. Yeah. Like, mm, they're just going to get the itch. I'm just going to get just, rid when of this I got, Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm going to turn around. So. Yeah. I don't. I, Sick, sick bastard. And then he breaks down exactly what happened. He says that he uh, he knocked on the door. She let him in. And then she turned to lock the door and he started strangling her. And then when she stopped moving and stuff, when she stopped struggling, he dragged her body t- into the living room, took off her clothes to make it look like a rape. I, and then at some point, I guess, took this jewelry. They don't. He doesn't mention that. Um, he drags the mattress in and just lights it on fire, pu- puts it over her body and lights it on fire. Yeah. And despite his confession, he pleaded not guilty. And then there was like a mistrial and some some weird, like a hung jury, which I'm not really sure what, me- what that means. Do you guys know what that means? A hung jury? It means Joe Stahula was on the, on the jury and he was hung like Because <laughs> oh, he's a big swinging dick. Jesus Christ, Eli. Congratulations, man. <laughs> You're a fucking genius. You're 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 a dick joke genius. Uh, that's what I do. All right. Uh, <laughs> dude, I feel like 
I feel like I set you up for that. Like, like it's too good. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that was too good. If he's fucking Joe Stahula's there, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude's got his big old swinging dick. All right, yeah, yeah, can you just bring us back to reality and explain to us what it actually means? Because I don't know. <laughs> or just a jury with a bunch of dudes with like, like ripped Big hogs. Dicks. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, as awesome as that would be, it's not. It is, uh, it is uh, basically a jury that cannot agree on whether the defendant's guilty or not guilty. Oh wow! <laughs> so Eli's, Eli's dead. I'm laughing so um, hard. So. But that's weird. So, so mistrial because of a hung jury, and then he was just like, "Oh shit, you know what? Fuck it," and confessed. I guess. Yeah, he ended up. He ended up uh, pleading guilty. I guess this stuff helped him in the long run because it's so crazy. Like, obviously, there's the mystery that we definitely want to know if she did she solve her own murder because it's pretty cool. But the most fucked up thing. He, he, like, was in jail yeah. for what? Like, I don't know. 14 years. 14 years. But, see, ultimately he confessed because, you know, since they had a hung jury, he wanted to show the jury that he had a bigger dick. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, uh, dude. I, I, I honestly, no, no, I honestly do think that it was kind of like a thing of, like, manning up and... But not like yeah, I, I don't like, think he just you know dropped his did. pants. But uh, this guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> so there's an update. So did she solve her own murder for sure? In the update, the ghost of Teresita agreed to be interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as they got the cameras all set up, the, the power went out and they couldn't do the interview. <laughs> she actually agreed to be interviewed and on Unsolved Mysteries, but that's not part of the Amazon streaming version. So okay, bye guys. <laughs> no, sorry. The ghost of Teresita did not. She has to. She has to be interviewed anonymously. <laughs> not not yeah. Teresita. Uh, what would you do? <laughs> not, what would you do if it was literally Teresita. like one of those like blacked out like just the silhouettes of a person, and then it like just disintegrated <laughs> at the end of the interview? Like, oh fuck, dude. Ghost of Teresita Bassa. Uh, uh, dude, that'd be creepy. It, it's super heartbreaking. I, I feel bad making fun of it, but. I'm just really glad that they caught this guy, uh, no matter how they caught him. Um, I think it's fucked up that he know. only served like 14 years. I think actually, I think it might have been a little more. I actually looked up. Um, there wasn't. Did, did you did you find that article about that somebody wrote about this? About they tried to track down uh, Remy, uh, you know, the nurse and the doctor. Oh, the the nurse. And they tried yeah, yeah. to track down uh, Alan Showery. No, I, I didn't. I didn't look into that. So yeah, so. Like we said, Remedios, uh, Remy, was the name of the of the woman. So there's this article that this guy wrote. Let's let's fucking a guy named Ray Johnson wrote this article in February of 2016. It's from ChicagoNow.com, and he wanted to like track down what happened to these people. And he he has he he gives a paper trail of Alan Showery that's pretty interesting. So 79, Alan Showery is on the verge of becoming a free man. The jury in the murder case is deadlocked and the mistrial is declared. So on the two-year anniversary of the death, on February 22nd, 1979, Shari appeared with his with his uh, lawyer in front of the judge, and he actually, um, against his attorney's advice, he pled guilty to the murder. So sentenced to four years in prison, which is the minimum term for murder at that time, and four additional concurrent 
uh, year terms for arson and burglary. Mm. So he was he okay. was sent to Statesville Penitentiary, where he was paroled in July of 1983. Four, four years was the minimum for murder? 14. Oh, 14. I thought you said four. I was like, dude. Damn. He, so he was sent to Statesville Penitentiary, where he was paroled in July 1983. Only a little over four years. So he got out of jail four years later? That's what that means, right? I guess. I don't know. I ain't no lawyer. So the, so they this guy believes that Showery is probably still alive. He, he'd be about ready to turn 70. Seems after he was released, um, he met a mysterious woman named Naomi who would attend all of his court hearings. They moved together. They moved in together in the 1980s. Um, and he murdered her. And um, apparently he lived with a female relative in Colton, God, California. And that's where he came. And then he came back to live in Chicago for a short while. They even have his address where he lived. Um, after that, he returned to live. He was, he returned to New York City where he lived prior to the murder. So this guy was able to trace Showery up, uh, back to New York up until 2004. But after that, it's somewhat of a mystery. They don't know what happened to him. So I don't know. How did this guy only get away with serving... Four fucking years for this awful murder, like random fucking murder. Yeah. He just decided to go back and just because he wanted to rob her. Awful. And uh, um, the other part of this article is talking about how they can't find where Teresita is buried. Maybe she didn't exist. That's weird. Teresita was supposed to be resting at a place called the Santa Catalina Cemetery. Apparently that's what it says, but he can't find this this Santa Catalina. He found St. Catherine. Like, he names all these churches. Apparently she was Catholic, and he, he like, all around the Chicago area, and he can't find, he, he couldn't find her. Could Teresita Damn. have been buried and continued to lie in a small churchyard cemetery? Or was she at one point buried in St. Catherine Church Cemetery, but then moved to make way for a city park? Uh, he said there could be misinformation involved. Yeah, so he, yeah, he he's trying to, he couldn't find a... Where Teresita was buried, kind of interesting. They they made a movie based on this case, and we're like I, I said, I know I said at the beginning, but we're going to talk about it. It's it's oh, on YouTube. We're gonna oh we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch. We're it. gonna link the shit out of it on our social medias, guys, so you guys can fucking check it out. Um, the the second part of this episode, we're gonna be talking about a thing called the Las Cruces Bowling Alley Massacre. It's a oh, crazy unsolved man, this case. This one messed me. Up. Yeah. Not to be confused guys, with Kill Bill. Not, not 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 to be confused with the El Paso Wedding Chapel Massacre, which was fictional from the film Kill Bill. Now you guys need to tune in next time because it's going to be a really good. Yeah, we're 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 going to actually um, go. Dan and I are going to go to Las Cruces and take some pictures, and um, we're we're going to try to do a whole hour at least on uh, the Las Cruces Bowling Alley Massacre. Yeah, because there's a lot there's a lot to go through with this. Cause it was a really senseless, super tragic, still unsolved. Crazy fucking crime. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this will be better than talking about Dave Horning's dick for an hour. <laughs> Stupid escape from Alcatraz. I, dude, honestly, I'm, I haven't listened to that episode. I'm kind of scared to. Yeah. I haven't either. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I bet you it's bad. Oh, I bet it's so bad. It's okay. I hope we're better now. Speaking of hoping we're better, uh, rate and review us, guys, if you like us. And, uh, yeah, please rate and review, motherfuckers. Please, like, we have.
have like 25 reviews and I know more than I know at least like 300 people listen at the end by the end of the week at least 300 people have checked it out which is great and I love it and I will continue to doing to do it for an audience even though even though it's only 300 people it's awesome yeah it's cool it's more than just us (laughs) isn't that cool yeah so alright come back next week for um, Lost Cruises Bowling Alley Massacre with a stack pack on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, our personal. You can get us separately at I'm at Davy How D A V Y H O W. Road underscore Dan and Big Bad Final Dad. And for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening.